friends, you've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-V and Toys and Ford. I'm Dan Casper here, like always, like every single episode of the the Man Cave Podcast. So appreciate you tuning in on uh, however you're tuning in, I guess whatever podcasting platform you're tuning in from, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or some somewhere else. We're all over the place. Hey, on this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk a little Brewers. Brewers get another win uh, against the Mariners, game one of that series. A little bit of an injury concern surrounding Corbin Burns. Uh, we're going to continue kind of uh, talking a little draft previews for, for the green and gold. Going to take a look at uh, some of the safeties that maybe potentially Green Bay might be targeting in this upcoming draft. So before we get to all that, though, you know what time it is. So you know what we usually do to open up uh, every single episode of the podcast. A little icebreaker. Still got to come up with a, with a better name for this thing. But uh, nonetheless, here's the question. What one word would my first grade teacher have used to describe me? Um, I know the nickname that my first grade teacher uh, used for me, Mr. Hinker. That was uh, Dynamite Dan. And I remember it. I don't know why I remember it after all these years, but I remember we were learning like, uh, like, money like coins like the like a dime and a penny and a quarter and, and and all that stuff and and he had like these i don't know if creatures would be the right word or monsters or or whatever but these these pictures on a chalkboard and it was like a, like an alien dude or something like that and and like he had a dime in him it was like a way to you know for us to to learn money you know the value of money in that and i can picture this green character it was like a weird thing but his body was like the dime and I don't know why, I don't know this part, but he was like giving names to him and he said Dynamite Dan's Dirty Dime. I have no idea. I mean, I get it, all the D's in, in there, but I don't know why. Maybe it was just one of those where he's looking across the, the classroom and, and saw me and Dan and Dime and, and you know, you got Danny Dimes and, and with the Giants and such. But I know what he called me in first grade. I, it didn't last. It might have been like a day or something like that, but... That's that's what my first grade teacher uh, did call me in 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 terms of what one word would they have used to to describe me? Um, boy, that's that's tough to think about way back in the day. Maybe maybe kind of goofy. I think that was a that was a I think it was that year too. I tried to change my name like on the homework assignments. I think I put like Kevin or something on there. I don't know. Goofy or weird is maybe the best ways to describe it. So, but there you go. That's 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 what I got. Okay, let's talk a little Brewers here first before we get to some some Packers draft talk. Brewers baseball. Brewers picking up the win last night, seven to three. Corbin Burns picking up his second win of the season. He went five and a third, giving up three hits, two earned runs, a couple of walks, three strikeouts, and a home run on there too. 
But uh, got some help from his offense right away. Offense putting up three in the top of the second. Uh, Brian Anderson uh, adding on to his RBIs. He was three for five yesterday RBI, including a run homer as well for Mr. Terang and such. Uh, so the Brewers picking up game one of this three-game series against the Mariners. However, everybody with the Brewers and, and Brewers fans probably holding their breath a little bit with uh, with the status of Corbin Burns. Corbin, Corbin leaving that game early yesterday to what uh, he's calling a minor pec strain. Uh, this was Corbin uh, after the game last night, audio courtesy from, uh, from Brewers.com uh, here, kind of talking about uh, his pec strain. It's, of course, loading right now because why not on our classic, classic audio system, computer system here in the studio. All right, here's Corbin from last night. Yeah, so I think um, it's just kind of this this left peck area. Um, I think it was on the, the, the tag play of the Suarez at third. I think it just kind of overstretched it. Um, so I'm not really sure what happened. Didn't feel it when it happened at the time. Um, went in, sat down. It was a, we had a quick inning, so went back out. Um, felt a little bit. Thought it was more of like a, kind of like a rib fell out of place or something. Um, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. So um, got got through the fifth and went went in, sat down, and came back out for the sixth. Um, warming up, I could feel it starting to tighten up and kind of get crampy. Um, and then yeah, the, the first hit of Crawford, I had zero command or anything. Um, and then Julio there, um, Velo started to drop, and so just one of those things that would just start to cramp up, cramp up and tighten up, and it was affecting you know, mechanically and. Um, and, and the more I threw, the more it was starting to get, um, you know, just not necessarily painful, but just kind of cramped up and you can just start to get tighter and tighter. I, there's no, no, no cause for concern. Um, so it's just one of those things you kind of stretch something out more than you should. Um, come in, get treatment tomorrow. Um, don't think this is going to be anything that, that forces us to, to miss a start. Um, something that's studying very minor that could have gotten worse had we, had we kind of kept going and kept stretching out. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there hasn't been any talk of, of pushing anything back or anything, so it's just going to be, as usual, come tomorrow, get some treatment on it, and just make sure we're comfortable. All right, that's uh, Corbin Burns after his start, after his win last night, and talking about the the pack injury. By the way, did anybody else still yell pickle when uh, when you get to, when a runner gets into a pickle situation? I'm almost 37, and I still yell pickle every time. I see. I don't care if it's on the TV or care. You know, when we used to play slow pitch softball or something like that. I'm still yelling pickle every time, and that's uh, that was the play that Corbin Burns was kind of highlighting when he uh, kind of thought uh, that the issue or the injury, whatever we're going to call it, kind of popped up uh, there. So, you know, he he's downplaying it. He's he's not too concerned with it. But again, not to be glass half empty type of mindset here you know Woodruff kind of said the same thing with his Counts kind of said the same thing with with Woodruff's and uh you know look look where we're at uh, with that thing so no offense to to Corbin let's see what the trainers let's see what the doctors and that all have to say you know kind of coming it coming up here in the next day a couple days and so but hopefully it's nothing too bad I think maybe the positive is positive in this whole thing Again, I'm not a doctor, but at least it's on the left side. He's a right-handed pitcher, so at least it's not his, you know, right pack. I get or right side. Well, I don't know if that, you know, would think that make a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a difference there, right? I mean, if you're watching the video stream, you're probably watching me do some weird arm motions and such right now. But nonetheless, 
I guess maybe it's okay that it's on the, or a little bit better that it's on the left side. So rice it up, right? Rest, ice, compression, elevation. You can't elevate your pack. Heat, ice, whatever. Listen to your trainers and doctors, and hopefully it's nothing that's all kind of be out there lingering for, for too long. So, But uh, Brewers, looking ahead to game two tonight. Just got another late one, and then we're, we're going to get back to a little bit of a normal schedule here, okay? Brewers fans, I know, believe me, it's been a lot of late-night games with this West Coast trip for cry-eye. A lot of 840 starts. And this is going to be the last one for a while. At least, you know, talking like during the week starts here. 840 tonight. Another late one. Tomorrow afternoon. Got an afternoon game at 310. Then off day Thursday. And they start that weekend series with uh, with Boston here. But Colin Ray is going to get another start for the Brew Crew. He's, he's going to get uh, another start here coming off of his... Fine performance, solid performance. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, obviously there's there's not a ton of experience when you look at the pitching matchups versus versus the lineups and such. I mean, actually with 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 the Mariners, you, you got a couple of guys here that have that have faced Ray for for a couple times. Colton Wong again. It's the NL Central connection. You know when he was with with the Cardinals and such, but. Uh, you know he's got five at bats. That's that's clearly the most, and he's hitting two hundred. Same on the on the flip side here with with Gilbert getting a start for the for the for the Mariners. Logan Gilbert, not a ton. I mean you're looking at just a couple of guys. Brian Anderson's got a couple at bats. Does have a dinger against him. Uh, Voigt's got four at bats and he's hitting two fifty against him. But you look at uh, you look at Logan Voigt last year, thirteen and six. For the Mariners with a 3.20 ERA and 32 games started, pitched in 185, almost 186 innings, uh, and so far this year, uh, he's one and one with a 2.70 ERA in three games. Uh, he's in those three games, he's pitched 16 and two thirds uh, uh, innings. There, he's coming off of uh, his latest outing back on April 12th, where he picked up the win against the Cubbies. Where he went six and two thirds, four hits, one earned run, did strike out uh, seven. Did strike out seven on there. So uh, again, this is one of the younger prospects from the Mariners system. Younger, talented pitchers, uh, I would say, out there. So be interesting to see how this Brewers offense goes up against Logan Gilbert tonight, and then Colin Ray. I, this is an opportunity for him. You know, he's he's not no young spring chicken. I mean, he's younger than me. He's 32 years old. He's younger than probably a lot of us right now. But in terms of baseball and such and, you know, minor leagues, AAA, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience coming up uh, throughout his career. And it's been derailed by injuries and such, but doesn't have a ton of experience in in the show. But, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for him to go out there, put together another solid performance, and kind of hold on to that probably hold on to that starting job until Brandon Woodruff comes back. I mean, you know, I think the Brewers are just kind of like, all right, kind of a wait-and-see approach, kind of game-by-game game when it comes to Colin Ray, see, see what they got with him, see what how well he's performing. I know Adrian Hauser is going to be, you know, coming back soon. Or could they 
maybe put him in that starting rotation if if Ray doesn't kind of you know run away with it or, or solidify that or do they still want to stick with Adrian Hauser as a as a bullpen type of option pitcher here but we'll see what uh, Ray could do uh, in the second start of the season go back to his first start it was against the Padres on the on the 13th that first game of that four game series where it went five and two thirds only gave up two hits one earned run on struck out six only issued one walk in that game too so I'm excited to see what what Colin Ray can do. If he goes out there and puts together another solid performance against the Mariners tonight, then I think he, you know, he's he's going to be the guy that's going to be filling in for for Woody here for the next couple of months, and and hopefully he can take advantage of that, and hopefully he can, you know, go out there pitch extremely well. All obviously from a fan standpoint, being selfish there a little bit because you know you want your Brewers to continue to rack up the W's and. And win series, series, and that's, but also you know, just the the, the story of of Colin Ray too. If you if you're not too familiar with it, you know, kind of look it up. Like we said, not a ton of experience in the show in the big leagues. You know, you got to go back to, you know, maybe 2016 with Colin Ray, where that's where he got the majority of his playing time. Spent some time with the Padres, where he was five and five, racked up ninety nine innings, then gets shipped off to to Miami. But then injuries didn't make another appearance until twenty twenty with uh, with the Cubbies. Pitched in nine games, started two of those. Twenty twenty one, a game with uh, with the Brewers, and then this year twenty twenty three. So. It'd be kind of a cool story if he can go out there and and pitch extremely well and maybe kind of help fill the void left by Brandon Woodruff. And then when Woodruff comes back, it'll be a good discussion or a good problem to have. How do you maybe kind of, you know, keep a guy like Colin Ray with, with your big league club? Uh, looking again back at uh, last night, I want to kind of highlight a, a couple of players. By the way, too, Jesse Waker, it sounds like he's going to be back in the lineup tonight, according to Craig Council. Uh, he had a pregame workout yesterday. Uh, he's been missing some time due to what they're calling a, an oblique injury. But uh, it sounds like it, it went well yesterday and that uh, we, we could potentially see him back in the in the starting lineup or yeah, in the in the batting lineup tonight for the Brewers. So, but uh, you know, I know we kind of talked a little bit about Winker yesterday and, and his offensive performance uh, so far uh, this season and such. But you know, William Contreras, when you're looking at him, and you know, maybe maybe at the beginning part of the season, a little bit of a slow start, but ever since then, this guy has been showcasing, you know, why a lot of people were pumped up or why a lot of people thought the Brewers got a really good catcher in that in that trade back in the, in the offseason. Obviously, he was an all-star last year, mostly known for his offense and such, but you look at William Contreras right now. And, you know, last night collected another hit and such, but you look at his last 26 at-bats. Last 26 at-bats. Uh 9 hits four walks, an average of 346, slugging of 423 and on base percentage of 433. So far this season. Uh and, and Contreras doesn't have a home run either. You know, him and him, him and Winker 
you know they don't they're they're still on the schneid they're, they're on the zero right now in terms of the uh the home run department but he's getting on base you know so far this year he's hitting 313 on base percentage of a 400 an ops of a 754 i know the numbers are incredibly small at this point but you know his average higher than his career average his on base percentage higher uh than his career right now but William Contreras showing right now in the early parts of the season, you know why there was a lot of excitement bringing him in uh, to Milwaukee. He displayed his offense during his time in Atlanta. There were some questions about maybe his framing and defense, but again, Milwaukee seems to have done like a good job over the years of bringing in these catchers that have, you know, kind of had this tag on them that eh, maybe not the best framers or maybe not the best defensive catchers out there, but they come in and they build these guys up and they improve dramatically in that department. So, William Contreras, off to a good start for the Brewers. Brian Anderson, again, I know this was a guy that a lot of you, uh, a lot of you listeners right now were saying, I think that could be a quiet pick. I think that could be a sneaky Good signing by the by the Brewers. And right now, for all of you who call that shot, pat yourself on the back right now. Give yourself a thumbs up. Last night, collecting three hits. Another RBI team leading 15 RBIs. So far this year, hitting 298. He's got an OPS of an 882. Three dingers right now. And he's displayed the versatility that the Brewers have needed since, you know, Luis Urias going down with injury at, at third base there. I mean, it's practically split. He's played 10 games at third and 8 games in right field. So not only is he providing that versatility in the field defensively, but guys getting it done at the play too for, for the Brewers. So I just kind of want to highlight, I wanted to highlight a couple of those players, you know, Anderson and, and Willing Contreras and such, because, you know, Contreras obviously was a guy that, you know, once that trade was made, a lot of fans and a lot of MLB people, Major League Baseball analysts and that stuff were like, oh, that's that's a good that's a good move by the Brewers. And so far, it's it's paying some dividends. And then, of course, Brian Anderson, because a lot of you Thought that could have been a uh, could be a sneaky signing, a sneaky move, and you guys are nailing it right now. Team leader in RBIs, heck yeah! And I'll be excited to see Jesse Winker back in in the lineup here too. Again, this was a guy that you know mostly is going to be in the DH role. A lot of people curious to see if he could kind of bounce back and and get back to what he was with his Reds days and in 30 at bats so far this year he's hitting 300 he's got an OPS of a 789 on base for 389 9 RBIs no home runs yet but well, well hopefully we'll we'll see him back in the lineup and maybe provide even more offense looking at some of these uh statistics was looking at them earlier this morning, kind of looking at, you know, offensive numbers, team stats. And, and Brewers are mostly top 10, maybe right around top 5 for a lot of offensive statistics team-wise, if we're looking at it. You know, home runs, it doesn't seem like the Brewers 
are are maybe hitting a ton of home runs, you know, this year. But when you kind of look at it and compare it to to the rest of of Major League Baseball, they're 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 tied for eighth. They've got twenty one now. Tampa Bay is kind of running away with it right now with thirty seven home runs. Then you've got the Dodgers at thirty. Yankees at 26, Giants at 25, Atlanta 24. That's your top five. And the Brewers are sitting there at 21. So I feel like it's almost a kind of a quiet 21 when it comes to the Brewers. And maybe it's because we've seen the Brewers scoring runs in different ways, though, too, where it's not so dependent on the long ball, so dependent on the home run ball, that we're kind of like not so hyper-focused on, on the home run ball. You know what I mean? Like, Because it, it feels like that Brewers aren't hitting a lot of home runs at times. At least it is for me, maybe. But yet, you know, they're tied for eighth. And I think it's because, well, you know, Sunday, they win because of small ball. So they're doing it a little bit of different ways. And then you look at, you know, OPS, Brewers, Seventh, tied for seventh. Slugged percentage. Uh, Brewers, just outside the top ten. They're they're at 12 right now. On-base percentage, sixth. Team average, seventh. How about stolen bases? Brewers, ninth. And that was one thing that I know a lot of you, and I think a lot of us were kind of talking about, you know, banning of the shift, Younger lineup, a lot of speed within this lineup. Could we see the Brewers maybe a little bit more active on the base pass, maybe being a little bit more aggressive? And these numbers are Major League Baseball, not just National League. But the Guardians lean the league in stolen bases 25, Baltimore 24. Brewers ninth with with 14 right now. Uh, if you're looking at strikeouts, Brewers are striking out quite a bit yet uh, at the plate. They've got the the ninth, or excuse me, the sixth most uh, strikeouts at the plate. The only teams higher than them right now are the Giants, the Dodgers, the Royals, the Braves, and uh, and the Mariners. So, uh, RBIs they're tied for seventh at 83. Tampa Bay leading the way at 113, which again, no big surprise, you know, but. You know, we talk about the the Brewers and and their surprise with their offense. I don't want to kind of ignore what the Twins are doing, you know, pitching wise too, because you know Brewers offense that was one of the biggest question marks, obviously heading into the season, the big one of the biggest unknowns and probably the biggest unknown for a lot of people out there. Their offense has been off to a good start. Same thing for the Twins, but on the pitching side of things. And when you look at across Major League Baseball, the team with the best ERA, it's the Twins. 2.60. And that was a big concern for a lot of people. Do the, or do the Twins have any pitching? Do they have enough pitching? Do they got any depth there? They're off to a fantastic start. By the way, Brewers, third in ERA. Third in ERA. Twins, opponent's batting average, number one, 195. Brewers, fourth, by the way, 222. But this Twins pitching staff, you got to give them credit. Gotta give them credit. We're off to a really good start. 
Really good start. Oh, and they're number one. Twins are number one in walks issued. 36. They've given up the fewest walks. 36. That's pretty impressive. Shout out to the Twins and their pitching staff over there. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, the other the team to our west, not far to our west. It's actually closer to us than the Brewers. But team to the west, surpassing expectations, at least initially in the first couple weeks, first few weeks of the season, with their biggest question mark, which was pitching. Brewers kind of doing the same thing with their offense, surpassing expectations, or kind of what people thought how the offense would look. And I guess you got to give a little bit of credit maybe to some of the national peeps out there who were saying, hey, you know, last year Brewers offense may not have been as bad as people kind of imagine. And, you know, with the preseason expectations, predictions, I should say, for for the Brewers from a lot of the national analysts out there, like, ah, maybe the Brewers offense, I, I think the Brewers offense is going to be a little bit better than what people are expecting. And, well, first wave coming through here. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Uh, by the way, I was looking at uh, the teams to give up the fewest home runs pitching staff-wise. Uh, Brewers tied for 10th fewest, 17. Again, weird. Tampa Bay, number one with the fewest, eight. Atlanta there, too. So, All right, quick break, and then we'll talk some safeties in the NFL draft after these quick words. Are you looking to purchase a new vehicle with that tax return this year? Hey, it sounds like you need to make a quick stop to Toys and Ford. From the moment you step into their showroom, you're more than just a customer. You're an honored guest. Toys and Ford's only aim is to serve your needs to the fullest, and the team at Toys and Ford will go the extra mile to provide you with compelling options for new and used vehicle shopping. Purchasing a vehicle, that can be a big decision, and Toys and Ford knows that. So make it easier with the help from Toys and Ford. Who doesn't love Hy-Vee? Once you walk in the store, you're in for quite the shopping experience. So grab yourself a coffee and check out everything Hy-Vee has to offer. From their top-of-the-line produce section, A-plus bakery, a deli department that includes so many different cheeses you didn't even know existed, a superb meat department, and even shoes, plus the best wine and spirits department in the area. And once you're done shopping or need to grab a bite to eat, they have many different options in their food court, including the popular Wahlburgers. Experience the Hy-Vee experience yourself today. All right, so let's continue kind of our little preview series leading up to the first round of the of the NFL draft, kind of highlighting some prospects that potentially could be Packer selection, whether it's with the 15th overall pick or maybe a day two pick. We've you know gone through some offensive linemen. We've gone through some edge rushers, defensive linemen yesterday. Uh, so, and we went through through tight ends already. So let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at safeties here. Um, and and the thing is too with safeties, I know there's a couple of corners. Like for for instance, you know here's the here's the perfect example of you know kind of like well some corners might transition better into uh, into a safety. Brian Branch is is one of those. Like if you look him up, he's he's listed as as a corner on on some sites, on some stuff out there. But I think a lot of people are just you know like okay, he's he's going to be a safety. But let's start off with with Brian Branch at at this point. Uh, he is you know was a top five safety prospect coming out of high school. Um, played a lot of time. He's he's kind of that versatile defensive back. Let's just call him defensive back, okay? You know let's let's call these guys that can play maybe a little slot corner. Line up on the outside, but also 
play deep in the middle, play a little center field, play in the box. So let's call these guys defensive backs. But um, he, when you're looking at mock drafts, he's probably, again, the highest selected defensive back, a.k.a. safety in this draft. He's a guy that you know can obviously do a lot of playmaking ability. He can cover the slots. He can play that center field role. Um, just a very versatile, smart type of player that a lot of people would obviously love to have on their defense. You know, he's got the got the physical traits. He's six foot, about a buck ninety in weight. So he's he's the number one guy, number one prospect, defensive back, safety prospect that are on a lot of boards, mock drafts, whatever have you. So the thing is. Depending on which mock drafts that you're kind of looking at, or depending on, you know, some of the some, maybe some of the stuff that you had been reading out there, is 15 too high to to draft a guy like like Brian Branch? Is it is that too high? You know, a lot of mock drafts maybe have him towards the back end of the first round, maybe in the mid to late 20s. So is 15 just just maybe a little too high, a little too high for you, or? You know, I was thinking about this last night. A lot of, how many times, it's like an annual tradition when it comes to the draft, when you hear these general managers or coaches or, or whatever the heck, they're like, you know, we don't draft for need. We draft best available. Which, okay, like 80% of the time, maybe even higher, that's not true. It's a little bit of both. Like, you know, you're not necessarily... So, like Philadelphia, for instance, you know they just signed Jalen Hurts to that massive contract yesterday. They're not going to draft the quarterback if that's the best available on their draft board with their first pick, right? They're not going to do that. So, all these teams that say, "Well, we just draft best available," yeah, that's not the case all the time. But when it comes to maybe a team like Green Bay sitting at fifteen, are they in that position of drafting best available? Because you know we're we're focusing or we're we're highlighting all these different positions and and players. I mean, we've talked tight ends, we've talked offensive linemen, we've talked defensive linemen, we've talked edge rushers. We're talking, you know, safeties now. Tomorrow we might be doing wide receivers, and that's another position group that right now and maybe again it's a little smokescreen action. I you know you got to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt with you know leading up in, into the draft here, but. I think it was at Peter King or there was another column where there's a lot of teams that don't even have a, a you know a first round grade on a wide receiver and if it's one it's just the the kid from from Ohio State and yeah it was in Peter King's column uh, yesterday you know there's a lot of concern about his injury his health history you know hamstring wise raise your hand Packers fans if you're getting tired of hearing hamstring injuries when it comes to a Packers player for crying out loud. So, I mean, again, is 15 too high for, for a wide receiver for, for this group? You know, we'll hit that up tomorrow. But going back to the question, I was kind of like going through my head yesterday. I was like, is, is Green Bay one of those teams that's like, yeah, they, they're in a position of best available? And I, I think, yeah. I mean, that's where I keep going. Like, you know, I haven't done my mock or anything like that, but it's like I could see go defensive line. I could see offensive line, tight end, yeah. Safety, yeah. There's a lot of guys that could go. A few different positions in this thing. So, but 
Back to the safeties. Brian Branch, you know, even though he's listed as corner for some people or, or defensive back, a lot of teams are probably going to utilize him as, as a safety, a versatile playmaking safety that you can move all around the field. I mean, I would love a guy like that with, with this Packers defense, a guy that you could put in that star position, a guy that you could, you know, line up uh, against the, you know, slot receiver and such, play a little safety back uh, or play a little center field in the back end. Uh, so who are some of the the other safeties out there? Again, if you kind of look at or if you've been reading mock drafts or reading the quote-unquote experts out there, scouts and and that sort of thing, let's let's take a look at some of these guys and, and probably maybe early day two picks uh, for these for these guys. First up, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. 6-2, almost about 200 pounds, about 200 pounds, big, athletic. He does have the versatility to cover a slot receiver, to, to cover a wide receiver. He can stay inside the box, good at run support as well. Physical, isn't afraid to go up into the line of scrimmage. Probably needs a little bit more consistency within uh, within the tackling. Does... You know, with that aggressiveness and that physicality, maybe gets a little too aggressive and and you know misses some of those tackles, over pursuing just a little bit too much. Maybe best suited playing that the you know in the box type of safety, helping out and run support and such. But again, Green Bay's defense, what do they probably want to really improve? Run defense. So maybe he's best suited to play a little bit of that big nickel. We've heard that the last few years, right, when it comes to defenses. Big nickel corner. Maybe lining up against uh, some tight ends and such. He's got the physical traits. Lining up at 6'2", 200 pounds. If they want to go a little bit smaller in their safety. But a guy that, uh, again, has a little versatility, maybe plays a little bit more of that center field role. Badgers fans, you probably saw him a little bit, though. Uh, Brown, kid from Penn State. Just uh, just an inch under six foot. Is about 200 pounds. Can line up over the slot. Can patrol that outfield. Maybe like a little cover one safety. The thing that might have pushed him down in terms of uh, some people's draft boards, is his speed. At the combine, he ran a 4.65, which is probably like worried a lot of people. But if you look at the next-gen stats, combine-wise, production score, safety-wise, he ranked number one. Total score, he ranked number one. But the athleticism score, 12th. So, again, I think a lot's going to depend on what does Joe Barry, what does Goody or, or, or LeFleur want in their safeties? Do they want you know a guy that can be a physical guy that maybe can line up against some tight ends, a bigger safety, but you know might get blown by a faster wide receiver, but he can help you out and run support and, and cover those tight ends? Or do you want more of that center fielder type of role? You know, I look at a guy like Brown and I'm thinking, okay, maybe they already kind of have that role with Darnell Savage. You know, LaFleur said, what, a couple weeks ago at the owners' meetings that they're going to stick with Savage at safety. We've heard Savage, we've heard others say that 
you know, maybe his best role is a nickel corner. Well, Savage is more of a center fielder covering that nickel corner, so maybe that takes out a guy like uh, like a Brown. And maybe you look at a safety like an Antonio Johnson, who is a bigger safety who can match up against tight ends, help out a little bit more and run support. Then you got uh, JL Skinner. This is an intriguing prospect here at uh, at the safety spot. You're talking a guy who's 6'4", 200-plus pounds. And you look at some of his rankings, and it's like, not not the greatest according to next-gen stats. You're talking 6'7", 3rd. 3rd overall total score isn't bad. Athleticism score, 7th. Production score, 6. But can't teach height. I mean, 6'4", 200, 210 pounds. He's a a guy that can play multiple multiple coverages. You can, you know, use him in run support. He's solid in run support. I was reading a little bit of him uh, last night. He's got good anticipation. You got uh, ball skills. Can read uh, read those routes from from wide receivers and such. So, but uh, six four six four safety. It's intriguing, right? Kind of like when Kevin. I'm not I'm not comparing him to Kevin King, but it's kind of similar to when Kevin King was coming out of the the drafts. Ooh, a six three corner that can run a four four forty, or whatever the heck it was. Yeah, four four forty. Can't teach speed, can't teach height. Well, that didn't really work out. No, it's not to mean that J.L. Skinner is going to be a a Kevin King type of player, right? But you kind of look at those traits, and it's like, okay, he's he's above average in run support. You got a six foot four guy who has the versatility for a few different coverages. He's got some good awareness. That's kind of an interesting prospect there. A little bit of an interesting prospect. Uh, another guy that has been kind of popular um, in like day two, round three mock drafts for for a lot of Packers or for a lot of Packers picks has been Jordan Battle from from Alabama. Now six one, two hundred and ten, kind of a typical you know physical traits when it comes to those those safety prospects. He's got the speed. He's got the size. Four, five, five, uh, forty. Athleticism score, though, if we look at the next gen stats, not that great. I mean, you're talking 18th. His production score fifth. His his combine, you know, overall safety rank was was seven. Was uh, was seventh on there. So, um, you know, the big things that stand out with a guy like Jordan Battle. He's physical. He's got the mental uh, makeup to to play safety in the league. Maybe not the greatest in terms of run support, but he has the versatility to cover a slot receiver. And I'm sure a lot of people will look at, well, the the pedigree, Alabama, right? Coming out of Alabama, playing under Nick Saban, playing with that defense over there. And again, like like Jordan Battle, you know his his biggest weakness is probably the the run support consistency. But he's got the versatility to cover. But again, when you look at the makeup of the safety group with the Packers, what kind of safety do you prioritize? 
Then, you know, we've got these safeties who are six foot, six one. We've got a couple safeties that we talked about were six four, six three. They're kind of all over the place. Another another player that I've kind of seen is is uh Jamie Robinson from Florida State. Smaller, five eleven. About a buck ninety. Saw one player comp that a lot of Packers fans are probably not gonna be too keen on was was Demarius Randall. Again, he's kind of that nickelback safety. Do the Packers already have that guy? You can make the case with, with Darnell Savage. Another one's Anthony Johnson. More of the typical safety height, six one, six foot, little over two hundred pounds. He's a cornerback that did turn safety. So he's got the coverage skills, got the coverage experience on there. He's got the athletic traits to succeed at a safety position. Was a team captain. He's got the versatility, the physicality. But I think when it comes, you know, we're we're talking about some of these guys here. When it comes to the safety prospect, or when it comes to, you know, picking a safety, I think a lot is going to have to depend on. What kind of safety do they want? Do they want another Darnell Savage type in terms of physical and athletic traits? A guy who could cover, you know, a slot corner, but maybe he's going to get out muscled, out physical by a tight end. Maybe not the greatest in run support or inconsistent run support. Or do you want that bigger safety that can play in the box, can give you that run support, can maybe line up against these big, fast, physical tight ends? But. Probably going to get burned by a wide receiver or a slot, smaller, quicker slot receiver. I guess if if it were me, I'd like one of each. That's the easy answer, isn't it? I'd like my safety to provide a little versatility, but I'd also like my safety to you know be able to cover a receiver, cover a tight end, and help run in, in, in run support. An all around type of tight end. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, big thanks to our friends from Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford for helping uh, helping you bring uh, bring the Man Cave Podcast to you all. So big thanks for you, the listener, too, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple and Spotify. Don't forget, you can always send some Q&As as well, questions for us to answer. Uh, until next time. I'm Dan Casper, and we'll see you again on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.